Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good evening, everybody. How you doing today? Everybody good? Everybody awake? Yeah? Okay. Just checking. Uh, I just want to say, um, if you feel led of the Lord, just text me or yell out score updates on the Spurs game during this, and I'm okay with that. What's up, Daniel? It's good to see you, man. I'm embarrassing you right now. Uh, we went to high school together. No, middle school. <laughs> um, so just want to uh, start out by reading a, a passage of Scripture. It's going to be kind of long, uh, and then... We'll jump into this together. But thank you so very much for joining us tonight. Thank you to those of you who are joining us via live stream. We appreciate you. I know it's hard to get out on a Wednesday sometimes, but thank you for coming. Uh, you know, I just want to say props to you all for making church a priority. Um, it's so valuable that we not only get the word in us, but that we get to be around other people who are like-minded and who are on the same journey of faith in Jesus Christ. And so we just want to encourage you with that. Um, let's go ahead and read this and then we'll pray. So in Luke 8, verses 4 through 15, in the New Living Translation, it says this, and this is kind of a long story, so bear with me. It says, one day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed, Jesus said. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks, and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. And still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So his disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. And this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. And the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, everybody say deep roots. They believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. And the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. And God, we thank you that as your word says, this is the day that you have made and we choose to rejoice and be glad in that. And I don't know what the day has held for all of us who have come here today, but I do know that Lord, you have it all taken care of and you're right here with us. God, I thank you that you love us. And my prayer is that today, as many of us maybe have come from a stressful day at work or at school or with the kids, that we would come today and we'd be refreshed by the word of God. Father, that we would just find rest 
here in your presence as we hear your word that it would give us strength. The Bible talks about how your word is strength even to our bodies and how in the presence of the Lord there's fullness of joy and the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8.10 says, is our strength. And so my prayer is that you would strengthen us right now. My prayer is that that it wouldn't be about what I have to say, but it would be about what you want to communicate through the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that we truly wouldn't just come to hear some information, but that we would come to be transformed by the spirit of the living God and by the truth of his word. And Father, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that the spurs would beat the rockets. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Awesome. I thought about scriptures that go with that, like vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and things like that, but I don't think that's right. So. Um, we, my wife and I, my wife works here on staff. She is, uh, oversees the zero through five-year-olds, early childhood ministry. Her name's Christy. So you may have met her and didn't know uh, that she is my wife. But we were in Rockport, Texas this past weekend. She was photographing a wedding. And uh, we, it was on this organic farm. It was really, really cool um, because it's these people that kind of basically live off the land, off of mostly what they grow, and then they produce farm-to-table stuff. Uh, it was really funny uh, because you're in the wedding, and it's beautiful, and then there's like all of a sudden the smell of the pigs comes by, you know? Uh, but it was super cool, and I really, I'm interested in farming and specifically organic farming. So it was really cool. I could have talked to the guy probably for hours uh, just trying to understand everything about what he does and things like that. And you know, uh, it was just cool to be in that environment. They had like an old school farmhouse, not like the cool Chip and Joanna Gaines farmhouse. They had like the plywood floor farmhouse. And it was really, it's just pretty interesting, pretty neat. And, uh, and so when we were there, I just was kind of thinking about that. I, I was already thinking about this parable, so that's kind of a cool thing. But, you know, someday kind of my dream is to maybe have not a farm, but a very large garden where I can grow most of my vegetables. And I was a homeschool kid growing up. And like any good homeschool kid, at one time we had a good sized vegetable garden and we had to work out there probably for a combination of PE and science because that's how it works when you're homeschooled. But we lived in North Texas for a while. We were military. And so we would work out there and... Uh, you know, we had okra and zucchini and squash and all of these kinds of things. But a couple years ago, I tried to plant a garden, but I didn't really care and I didn't really do it right. So there was a couple things that I missed that you're going to laugh at me for. So I didn't re-plow the ground because I just really didn't care. Uh, and somebody had plowed it the season before and I thought, let's just shoot for the moon and see what happens. And then I planted seeds. I didn't know, I don't know if you knew this, that seeds have like a best buy date on them. And some of them were past the best buy date and I just planted them anyways because again, I didn't really care. And then I kind of forgot about the whole watering thing probably after about the third time. And so not much grew out there. But you know, when you think about this parable, I love what Jesus is kind of conveying here. And we're going to dive into this today and, and kind of take notes from what Jesus talks about because Jesus really doesn't talk about the quality of the seed. He doesn't say, well, some of the seed was past the expiration date or the best buy date. And he doesn't really talk about if the farmer did enough to weed or till or water these plants. But really, he just talks about the condition of the soil. And I, I found that to be really interesting that everybody gets the exact same quality of seed in their life. Because if you look in here, it says that the seed is the word of God. And the different types of soil are actually different types of people. In fact, 
In 1 Peter 1.23, the Bible says that we're born of incorruptible seed through the word of God. And that word incorruptible, incorruptible can mean something that doesn't decay. Do you know that God's word can't be degraded, it can't be decayed, it can't be corrupted by time or by circumstances in your life or by culture. It's exploding with potential. That's the beauty of a seed. And it's ready to create a new life in you. It's exploding with potential and it's ready to create a new life in you. You were given the same quality of seed as I was given and it's the seed of the word of God. The difference doesn't lie in the quality of the seed or the skill of the farmer. It lies in the quality of the soil. And I wonder this about us is what kind of soil are we made up of? So kind of what I like to focus on today is just one aspect of this story, and that's the part about the soil that was among the thorns, where the seed was scattered among the thorns. And as I was reading this uh, particular passage of Scripture, I'd just been reading it for a while over and over again. I read it in the Amplified Version, and if you don't know what the Amplified Version is, basically it's a translation of the Bible where they put in brackets right next to words what scholars, certain scholars, feel like the original meaning of that word is. Because obviously the Bible wasn't written in English. Uh, it was not written in King James English, but it was written primarily in Hebrew and in Greek. And so they'll kind of put what scholars feel like that was initially intended to mean. Have you ever watched a movie maybe that was from another language and some of it was lost in translation? Have you ever seen that? It's not that it was a bad translation. It's just that maybe they couldn't quite convey the full depth of it. And so that's what they'll do sometimes. And so I want to read verse 14 of Luke 8 out of the Amplified. It says, And as for what fell among the thorns, these are the people who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked and suffocated with the anxieties and cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not ripen or come to maturity and perfection. I think it's really interesting that they describe in such great detail what the thorns are, and then they describe in pretty great detail what the end result of that is. And so today I want to talk about what happens when we become the type of soil that is kind of that thorny area of the soil. What are the ramifications of that? What does it look like? And what are those particular thorns that are growing or can grow in our lives? So really there's three types of thorns. Number one is anxieties and cares. Anxieties and cares. You know, I think it seems to me like our society is more anxious than we've ever been. And, and I think you can probably relate to this from the simple things. You know what the pocket check is when you're not sure if you left your phone at home and you begin to freak out because how will everybody get a hold of me right now? Everybody's done it. Or the purse check if you're a lady, whatever that may be. And it ranges from these small things. I can't check my Instagram because my phone is in the other room charging or it's dead. If you've never felt that, it's real and it's sad. <laughs> but there's these small things, but then it ranges to these big debilitating fears and anxieties that we deal with. And I don't know if you know this, but there are, I'm not going to quote the statistic for you, but there are tens of millions of Americans that are dealing with actual anxiety disorders. We live in a society that is so fast-paced and so anxious for everything when the Bible's telling us to be anxious for nothing. 
And I think we have to be clear that anxiety can be caused by physiological and chemical factors, no doubt. But sometimes it's simply a spiritual issue. And sometimes it's simply an issue of slowing down. At its core, anxiety is a fake version of faith. Because here's what anxiety does. It hypothesizes about what could happen. Well, I don't know. What if? What if somebody tries to call me while my phone is dead and I don't get the call or whatever that may be? But faith declares what will happen according to God's word. Anxiety makes up situations, but faith holds on to what God's word says. Anxiety worries about possibilities, but faith rests on promises. Maybe you have a kid that's going to college and you think, well, what if this happens or what if that happens? What if they eat ramen for the next four years of their life? What if I can't pay for their tuition? What if they don't pay for their tuition and then student loan people say hi to me? Maybe you are wondering if your kid will continue to serve the Lord once they get out of your house. You know, the Greek word that Jesus used for care is the same word that Peter uses in 1 Peter 5, verse 7. And it says in that scripture, to give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And there are definitely things that you and I have to care for in life. I hope that you take care of your kids. I hope that you take care of your finances. I hope that you take care of your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual well-being. There are things that you must care for in life, but I think the thing that we get tied up on is putting too much stock in caring about those things. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, that we are to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first and foremost, above all else, and then all of those other things. And in that passage, he had been talking about what we're going to wear and what we're going to eat and what's going to happen tomorrow. All those things, it says, will be added unto us or he'll take care of those things if we put him first. You know, just a side note, I believe that probably a lot of our problem is prioritization. Is anybody ADD like me, right? And sometimes it's your greatest strength because you come up with great ideas because you can take bunny trails. But sometimes it's your worst enemy. And I would dare to say that maybe it's not that you're ADD, but maybe sometimes you're so driven on one task, but it's the wrong task at the wrong time. Prioritization is something that we can be focused on a good thing, but if it becomes our everything, then it's not a good thing for us anymore. I think we have to ask ourselves this, have I been so wrapped up in worrying about taking care of my life that I have forgotten to have a relationship with God? Have I been so worried with what's going to happen in my finances, what's going to happen with my kids, what's going to happen with my marriage, what's going to happen in my health, is my career path the one I really want to do, should I change my college major? Have I been so worried about those things? that I've forgotten about my relationship with Jesus. So the first thing that I think is, a, is kind of a, a thorn in our life is anxiety and care. And care is not bad, but care uncontrolled will turn to anxiety. Number two is riches. And the word for riches in the Greek means this. Riches or wealth, which is pretty obvious. Or look at this, abundance of external possessions. 
I think this perfectly describes us as a society. You think about it, we make money so that we can buy things and then we buy so many things that we spend money to rent a space to put the things in. It's completely confusing. It's incredible. Just look at the amount of pop-up storage places all over and you'll see that. And sometimes an abundance of external possessions can be something that distracts us from God. And I want to be honest with you. I believe money is important. I believe wealth is not a bad thing. It's a good thing as long as you know how to steward and manage it well and not allow it to manage you. In fact, Proverbs tells us how to make money, how to manage money, how to make money do work for us and grow for us, and how to use money for God's glory. It talks about not just generosity, but how to get the money to be generous with in the first place. This is extremely important, but I think we also have to ask ourselves this. Do I care so much about material things that I'm neglecting spiritual things? Do I care so much about material things that I'm neglecting spiritual things? Again, it's prioritization. And, and I want to challenge you with something today. At the end of your life, when you die, what will you be remembered for? I'm, a, I'm a, an arts type of person, so I look at visual things and audible things and the way things look and the way they sound and appear and feel and things like that. I notice at that farm, I could tell you what type of glasses the lady that was there was wearing because they're very expensive. And I thought, that's funny, you live on a plywood floor, but you have super expensive glasses. But when she dies, nobody will stand at her funeral and go, she had amazing glasses. I've done a lot of memorial services and I've never once heard anybody say, and he was so rich. But you know what I've heard before? Things like, he just gave stuff away so often. He would go to Mexico and he would just build churches and help people. I've heard things like, they loved us and they cared for us. At the end of your life, are you going to be remembered for a number in your bank account? Are you going to be remembered for how good you looked in those clothes? Are you going to be remembered for that amazing motorcycle that, let's be honest, guys, we all wish we had and that's okay? Or are you going to be remembered for the way that you served Jesus and the way that you treated other people and the way that you led other people to him? I think it's important for us to realize that it's okay to want things and to um, be wise with our finances and, and buy some things that really we just like. But at the end of the day, what's the significant thing that we want to be known for? I wonder if the things we're investing our greatest energy into are just temporary or if they have eternal significance. And the third thing, so you've got cares and anxieties, you've got riches. But the third thing that Jesus addresses that is very fascinating is the word pleasures. And the word for pleasures denotes pleasure, desires for pleasure, sensual pleasure, lust, etc. Here's the thing, it's so easy for us to just go, oh, it's talking about sensual pleasure or lust and I just have to dismiss that because that doesn't apply to me. But I believe that this is so much more broad than this and that's why Jesus lumped it in with riches. 
because it's talking about things that give us temporary pleasure. And it's saying that something that's giving you temporary pleasure right now could be distracting you from the very thing that matters most in eternity, and that's seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Maybe for you, maybe you're like me, it's social media. Maybe you're like me and you say, why do I even look at this again? Nobody posted anything new anyways. Or if they did, it was something dumb I didn't care about. Maybe for you, it's television. Maybe for you, um, it's a hobby that you like and it's not a bad thing, but you've put too much into and it's distracting you from your relationship with God. Maybe it's procrastination. Whatever that may be, it's kind of amazing that when we chase pleasure in the physical sense, we miss where true pleasure comes from. And many people allow their desire for temporary pleasure to distract them from a life of eternal significance. And can I just get back on the thing about pleasure real quick? You know, it's easy for us to say an, an, an addiction to alcohol is a pleasure issue, right? Gambling is a pleasure issue. But what about this? What about just sleeping in on Sunday instead of going to church. And that's a tough statement. And can I be honest with you? Every Sunday, I bet I would love to sleep in. <laughs> Every Sunday, I'm like, I have to get up. I have to get up. I have to get up. I love being here, but I love sleeping too. You know, there's people, I love to run, and, and I read stories about people who've overcome addiction to drugs, alcohol, things like that. But when you read in between the lines, it's as though they've replaced the addiction with another addiction, and that's running. So you never solved the root issue. You just replaced it with something else that gave you temporary pleasure in order to try to put a Band-Aid on the pain that's inside. Psalm 1611 talks about where true pleasure comes from, where eternal pleasure comes from, and it says this. It says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I love that, with eternal pleasures. That when we're committed to the things of God, not only do we get to have fun in this life, but we know that there are eternal pleasures available for us. And I love this definition that Joyce Meyer gives of wisdom. She says, wisdom is doing now what you are going to be happy with later on. I wonder at the end of our lives, Will we, will we be pleased with what we've chosen to get pleasure from right now? At the end of your life, will you look back and say, I'm glad that that's where I got pleasure from in this life. And I believe this, God created healthy pleasure. He's the one that created your sensory system. He's the one that gave you the ability to have fun and to experience life. That's why I love to go running outside and just experience things apart from devices and everything like that. It's because he likes for us to enjoy life. But when we seek pleasure in the wrong places or when we prioritize it above Jesus, then we've missed the point and we've missed what real, true pleasure comes from, and that's fulfilling God's purpose and getting to know Him. 
So here's the question for all of us is what happens when these thorns overtake us? And if you look in that verse in Luke 8, 14, it says their fruit does not ripen or come to maturity or come to perfection. Their fruit doesn't ripen. And when we allow anxiety or care or riches or pleasure to take the place of Jesus and his word, we don't produce mature fruit. And here's what struck me as I was reading this, is it does not say that they don't produce fruit. Some translations kind of say it's like a young plant that comes up, but in the Amplified, it talks about the fruit doesn't ripen. Jesus doesn't say that you won't begin to grow. And Jesus doesn't even say that you won't produce fruit. It says you won't produce mature fruit. Have you ever eaten a banana that you thought was ripe because they spray that weird stuff on it to make it yellow before it's supposed to be? Did y'all know they do that at the store? They spray stuff on it that makes it yellow before it's supposed to be so that it looks ripe. You buy it and then you take it home and you go, oh, that's not ripe. Have you ever eaten one of those and the taste in your mouth? Have you ever had one of those? No? It's just not quite there yet and it's wrong. It's almost like hard a little bit and it leaves your mouth all chalky. Has anybody ever had one of those? Okay, cool. You know, I wonder sometimes about our lives if we are producing fruit, but our fruit is never actually ripening and becoming mature. If we appear to ourselves and sometimes to others as though we are producing mature fruit, but maybe it's not actually as mature as we think it is from the outside looking in. I wonder if we are bold and brave enough to spend time with God and allow him to examine that. I wonder if it's still evident that we're doing things for God, but it's just not quite what God would have it be. It's possible to begin to produce fruit that never comes to maturity. And it's not about being perfect, but it's about being in progress. And here's the thing I've learned, and I've thought about this in running. I'm not here to run that guy's pace. I'm here to run the pace that God has for me. And it's not about you being perfect today. But the thing we have to ask ourselves is pace is about hitting the right mile marker at the right time in the race. And I think we have to ask ourselves, God, you show me, am I at the right mile marker at the right time for the pace that you set up for me to run this race? Am I where you feel that I'm supposed to be? And here's the thing. Maturity is a, is a, is a moving target in spiritual growth. So if you're a new believer, here's the areas you may need to be growing in right now. You may need to be changing some old habits that are going to be hard to break and people are going to walk with you and give you grace as you work to change those habits. You may just have to learn to attend church faithfully so you can be encouraged and be a part of the community. You may need to learn to just begin to read your Bible and and kind of get to know God for yourself. And then you may move on to a place in life where you become a more mature believer And God may challenge you with something like this. Maybe it's an attitude inside of you that he wants to transform now. Maybe it's an attitude that grew over time. Maybe it's dealing with your past. Or maybe it's that you are now in a place where God would like for you to be discipling younger believers. And he's asking you to grow into that. Maturity can be a moving target. But here's what immaturity looks like when the things of life are coming at us. Immaturity could look like this. I don't have time to attend church because fill in the blank. And you're thinking about all the things that you have to do this week so you don't have time to do the things that really matter. Or it could look like this, and and this might step on toes some, but I have time to attend, but I don't have time to serve because fill in the blank. 
Or it might look like this. I attend and I serve, but I don't really spend time with God for myself, which is very dangerous, by the way. It's better than nothing, but it's, it's not a good place to be. Because have you seen my schedule? I, I just don't have time for that daily. I love the saying, and I say this as much as I can. I heard a story about a lady that said, my best time with the Lord was ironing clothes in the morning because that's when I prayed, you know? And finding those times. Or maybe it looks like this. I'll allow God to deal with all of those things in my life except that thing. Because I don't know what it would be like to give up control of that. Or maybe it's this. God's asked me to do this, to step out in this capacity, to serve over here, to bless somebody in this way. But I'm insecure because I'm not sure. I have a little bit of anxiety about if I have the capability of doing it, if I'm qualified to do it, or if my past disqualifies me from doing it. And those are all things that can choke out what God's trying to do in our lives. God's trying to grow us into our destiny, into our potential, into our purpose. But it's sometimes a schedule thing or sometimes it's an insecurity thing or sometimes it's a priority thing. And we can allow those things to come in and to keep us from being all that God's called us to be. So here's a challenge for you this week. I challenge you to ask yourself this. Am I growing in the areas God is asking me to grow in right now? If you're like me, I'm a perfectionist. Um, I'm an all or nothing perfectionist, if that makes sense. So either I really care or I just say, forget it, I'm not going to do it, right? This is either going to be awesome or it's not going to happen. And I want to encourage those of you who may be a little bit like me. You don't have to fix everything in your life right now. Life is not a giant game of whack-a-mole. And when you hit one, another one pops up like at the arcade. You just have to work on what God is asking you to work on in this moment. And when you do that, you'll have a sense of peace about this. But you've got to be honest and say, am I growing in the areas that God is asking me to put forth the effort to grow in right now? What are my excuses What are the things that are holding me back? And then number two, I want you to do this. I want you to ask God, are there any areas in which I've allowed the cares, anxieties, or pursuits of life to keep me from maturing into all you've called me to be? Are there any areas where I've let things crowd out what God's trying to do in my life? And I want to address one more thing. Sometimes we're scared Maybe we don't trust God's character. Maybe we don't trust that his plan for us is actually good. Maybe we don't trust that we are actually capable of walking out what he's called us to do. So we intentionally crowd our lives so that we don't have to dig in to what he's speaking to our hearts. Can I encourage you, if that's you, God can be trusted. And if God wants to talk to you, it's because he loves you and not because he's frustrated. And if God wants to shift or change or mold something inside of you, he wants to do it because he truly, truly wants the best for you. And so our challenge this week is ask God, am I growing in the areas that you want me to be growing in? And are there things inside of me that are crowding out what you would want to do in my life? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for these amazing, precious people. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you don't tell us to do things that we are not capable of doing. But here's the thing. We're never capable of doing it on our own. It's only by your grace through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can accomplish all of this. So we understand that we've got to lean into you. And Jesus said later on in this passage that we have to be careful how we hear. 
that concept of we've got to be careful of how we hear. What does that mean? It means that I'm not just careful to hear, but it's I'm careful to hear, to receive, and to act based on what I've heard. And when we step out in faith and act, you're faithful to meet us and to give us the grace to walk in obedience to you. So you may be thinking about this today and you may be thinking this is all really cool and really interesting and I'd love to find out what God's destiny and God's purpose for me is, but I don't know where to start. Well, here's the best place you can start. It's the only place you can start is a relationship with Jesus. And so you have to begin to have a connection and a relationship with him. And the only way that that happens is by asking him to, number one, to save you from everything you've ever done wrong, to forgive you, and to be the Lord of your life, which basically just means he's the boss. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.